everyone, and welcome to another episode of HB Critical, a podcast where my friends and I talk all things gaming. I'm your host, Jarrell, and today we're talking all about what a series is. Uh, we have a segment where we talk about what a series is, where we learn about what it is, where I personally learn about all all about that series. And today, the series that we're going to talk about is Kingdom Hearts. From its inception in 2002 on the PS2 up to Kingdom Hearts 3 on the PS4 just last year, the series has spanned a number of games uh, over the years, and we're going to talk all about what the series is as a whole. Kingdom Hearts 3 is the end of the Xehanort saga, or the Dark Seeker saga, and with the end of that saga and Melody of Memory on the way, as well as all the games being bundled and easily accessible, what better time to learn about Kingdom Hearts than now. And to do so, I'm happy to be joined by some very special guests. We have Kingdom Hearts experts, Brandon, Cameron Hawkins, and Chris Penwell. So first of all, um, thank you guys for being on the show with me. And I would like to know a little bit about yourself. So starting with Cameron, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm a staff writer over at DualShockers.com. I've been featured on IGN, GameSpot, Inside Gaming, uh, Spawn on Me, and, uh, you know, I love Kingdom Hearts. It's my favorite franchise of all time. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Can confirm. Before this podcast, he showed us all his awesome stuff. And, yeah, it's pretty dope. So I can I'm, confirm I'm he's jelly. a huge fan. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Dang. Chris, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and who you are? Yeah, so I'm a freelance writer. I'm a contributor for The Gamer. And I'm doing guides at Tech Raptor. Um, I also co-host uh, Active Quest every monday um it's a really funny podcast about video games and we cover the news we cover re- reviews and all that kind of stuff and yeah it's a great show so yeah <laughs> super dope i i listen every week as well so i i am subscribe everyone who is listening to this if you haven't subscribed to active quest please do the guys are awesome um anyway so what we're here for is kingdom hearts so the first thing i'm going to ask you guys is what exactly is kingdom hearts and by that i mean you know in your own summary what is kingdom hearts when did it begin what's the genre the developer publisher what's its history uh tell me as someone who has no idea what kingdom hearts is what kingdom hearts is all right, so Kingdom Hearts started where a Disney exec and a Square Enix, or at the time, a Squaresoft exec met in an elevator and just decided to start talking. I'm not even joking. This is literally how Kingdom Hearts came to came to reality. Yep. Uh, to, yeah, they, they were like, you want to try and make a game? And then <laughs> they actually started to do so. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a JR... There's more... There's more fun facts about that leading up to the actual like launch and like the development cycle of the game. But um, it's a, you know, it's a JRPG by Squaresoft and later Square Enix. Um, and it's feature. It's like, you know, it's original characters that are surrounded by final fantasy characters and Disney characters uh, more primarily. Uh, and you play as a young boy named Sora primarily throughout the franchise. Um, who, uh, him in the original Kingdom Hearts, him and his friends Riku and Kairi are trying to leave their world to explore and, you know, they, they, they just want more than what they're experiencing in their current lives. Um, and then after things happen, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, a storm reaches uh, Destiny Island where they basically go and play. Uh, 
during their free time. And uh, they're all basically taken away to different worlds where Sora teams up with Donald and Goofy, who is looking for King Mickey uh, to, uh, or, well, yeah, looking for King Mickey, but also trying to find the Keyblade wielder, which Sora, uh, Sora is. And uh, they team up and travel worlds to find Riku and Kairi with Sora. All right. Uh, that sounds like the beginning of pretty much Kingdom Hearts 1, right? Yeah, that's that's being so Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. So before I continue, I do want to know how you guys got into Kingdom Hearts. Um, and I'll just start. For me, I had finished Final Fantasy X. It was the first Final Fantasy I'd ever played. And I saw Kingdom Hearts in the store randomly, picked it up for the PS2 back then. And I was super excited because I was like, I don't really care for Disney that much, but I was super into Final Fantasy at the time. So, you know, on Destiny Island, when you have, oh my God, who is it? It's Titus and, um, Waka Waka. and Sophie. Selfie. Waka and there Sophie, we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, so seeing that, I was like, oh shit, this is super cool. Like, I'm so excited to see where the series goes um, with Final Fantasy. So that's that's kind of my my thing into so, uh, Drill, Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. That, that must have been interesting then, because if you just got off Final Fantasy X seeing uh, Titus and Waka and then just seeing them just on the island, that must have been something for It you. was literally Cause... super cool. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, what is this game? I didn't have that experience because uh, I had... Well, I'll, I'll go into it more when I go into my, my turn, but like I hadn't played Final Fantasy X until I was somewhat familiar with the series already. Yeah, so when I when I played it, and you know they have Aerith and Yuffie and all these other characters, I, I was like, I have no idea who these characters are, but I know they're from Final Fantasy. Um, so then I got more into Final Fantasy through Kingdom Hearts, and then you know it kind of just expanded from there. But um, go ahead, Brandon, tell tell us um, what was your introduction to Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, sure. So I had talked about it a little bit before on the podcast, but um, my first exposure to Kingdom Hearts was actually just a regular Disney Channel commercial that I saw. I remember the commercial vividly. In fact, I even rewatched it a few weeks ago for memory's sake, where it's just literally like this guy sneaking into the secret underground of Disney headquarters and the secret vaults and trying to find out what the deal was with Kingdom Hearts. Mm -hmm. And then he went into that computer and then this like disembodied uh, computer voice was telling the was telling the, the intruder all about Kingdom Hearts, about how the main character Sora was going to all these different Disney worlds and essentially playing a part in the movies essentially. And then going on an adventure with Donald and Goofy. And I saw the commercials like, this is the dopest. But the thing is back then I was like hardcore Nintendo. I like only had Nintendo systems and this was a PlayStation two game. I only had a GameCube. So I was like, no. And you know, I was, I was, I, I don't know. I didn't know as much about the game industry as I do now. So me, it being ignorant, was like, "Oh, well, this has to come to GameCube at some point." And mm -hmm. so I just waited for years and years, and it didn't happen. Uh, Chain of Memories came out on the Game Boy Advance, and I wanted to play that, but I knew it was it had to be a sequel to one, and so I didn't want to like play go into that one first. Then two came out, and I was just like, mm, I was like sweating, sweating. So eventually, I was like, you know what? I, I need a PS2. And on that same, I remember that Christmas vividly. I got Kingdom Hearts one. Chain of Memories for the Game Boy Advance, Kingdom Hearts 2, and Final Fantasy X because I wanted to try out the Final Fantasy series all in one go. And yeah, that was my few, that was my next few months after Christmas, just going through each and every game one at a time. I finished one, finished Chain of Memories, finished two. Uh yeah, it was it was an experience. So I just basically blitzed through all of them. Days was actually the very first Kingdom Hearts game that I bought on actual release, and I've just been keeping it up since then. But yeah. 
I've been mostly with the series since the beginning is all that to say. And Cameron. And then Chris, because Chris, I want to hear from you too. But Cameron, uh, what was your introduction to uh, Kingdom Hearts? Honestly, I don't even remember. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I just remember, like, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure I ended up getting the game the like holiday season that it came out like i like i you know there would be like a a a kids play thing where like you know you're like where your parents would drop you off while like because i because i grew up in vegas so so basically you know in uh certain casinos it would be a thing called kids quest where they would drop off where you could just drop off your kids if you wanted to like go see a movie or if you wanted to go gamble or something like that and then there'd just be a bunch of games that kids could play and then they had like a PS2 setup, and uh, I remember uh, seeing like, uh, and I already like I already knew that it was a thing, but then I saw that they had it, and like uh, I think they were the save was like already in like Tarzan's world, so I just like hopped on and played for a bit, and I was just like, oh, this is so cool. And you know, my parents weren't super cool about me getting games all the time, so I had to basically wait out, wait it out until. Uh, until Christmas to get that game. And then, um, and then, you know, they ended up getting me uh chain of memories and uh King March two as well. Uh, like later down the line. So yeah, that's kind of like how I got my uh, introduction. That's so cool. I literally just, I literally just walked into target and saw the screen, the, the <laughs> game case and thought it was cool. And like, this guy has this cool story. <laughs> um, Chris, what about you? Yeah, I remember getting a PS2 with Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and then uh, once I finished that, I, I played the demo disc. And like it, on the demo disc, there was a trailer for Kingdom Hearts, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Holy shit, I love Disney. <laughs> uh, I, and like I saw these Disney characters, I saw Donald Goofy talking to Tarzan, I was like, whoa, what's going yeah. on here? That was the um, one that got me too because uh, yeah. because I loved Tarzan at the time. I still love Tarzan, so seeing that scene in particular was like, oh my god! So, um, I was uh, walking by uh, a store called W H Smith in the UK, and I saw the game for twenty pounds, and I was like, okay, I got to save the save my money for four weeks because I got five pounds a week. <laughs> so so once I, yeah. So once I finally got it, um, you know, I, I I absolutely adored it and I fell in love with the game. And it's kind of like the first game that really drew me into gaming and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really made me a fan of gaming, you know? That's oh, wow. super cool. cool. Uh, so since, since we're here to learn about Kingdom Hearts, it's really cool to see how you guys all started. I'm going to list all the games in the series. Correct me if I am wrong or if I miss something, please. So we start with Kingdom Hearts. And then we mm-hmm. got Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts Coded, Kingdom Hearts 358 Over Two Days, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, uh, Kingdom Hearts Unchained slash Dark Road, and then Kingdom Hearts 3, correct? You could take a break. Breath now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my god. Oh yeah, that's not, that's, not the, that's not the correct order, but that is those are all the games and then there's also kind of like the point two like yes uh that's in the 2.8 uh that's kind of like a prologue to kingdom fragmentary passage which fun fact that is because that is a thing because birth by sleep was originally supposed to be two games and namora realized like i don't we don't have time to make two two games they're supposed to be a volume one and a volume two 
and volume two was supposed to focus on like aqua and the realm of darkness and things like that but it just didn't work out so that's what that's why two point or zero point two was a thing Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so for anyone who is a little bit confused, because, you know, I, I do follow Kingdom Hearts. I've watched a lot of the videos. I haven't played all the games because unfortunately, you know, they weren't all released on uh, the same systems. So, um, you know, I, yeah. I missed out on a few of them. Like uh, I definitely missed out on, on Chain of Memories when it first came out, but I replayed it because it was, um, you know, on the PlayStation. But so we have the summary of the original Kingdom Hearts where we have Sora, Donald, and Goofy and they're going on to, you know, uh, find the Keyblade Master, or Keyblade Wielder, and he's trying to get back to his island. Um, how does the story progress from there? Like, wh- how do we get to, you know, Aqua and Ventus and Terra? And, well, first, first, before we do that, whenever <laughs> someone says to you guys that the Kingdom Hearts story is crazy or convoluted or just ridiculous, what is your response? Because I, I really want to know. They I'm haven't t- played all the games. Okay. That's, yes, that's, that's, yeah. that's literally the, the quickest answer that you could say is that they haven't played all the games. Yes, that uh, is the quickest answer. Um, go ahead. If you have more, I'll, I'll do uh, I feel like I've been talking a little bit too much. I know like, I love Kingdom Hearts <laughs> and I want you all to love. So go sure, on, sure. Go on. Okay, so what I, all I was going to say is, yeah, that's the first thing, that you haven't played all the games. The second thing is, the series, I'll, I'll, I will give those people some defense. The series, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 is a very straightforward storyline. It does get a bit, a bit confusing later on. However, however, and this is important, like he said, that you haven't played all the games. It's the same as any kind of, like, um, story that's being told. Like, if you skip certain parts of the story, then it is inevitable that you're going to have some kind of confusions. Like, even as they introduce new plot elements that even, you know, can be confusing if you're not paying close attention, it's still there. There's no, The only thing that Kingdom Hearts fans, hardcore fans, really don't understand is stuff that hasn't been explicitly explained to us just yet. Like, even for all of its confusing lore that the Kingdom Hearts series does entail, there is a... There's very few plot holes in Kingdom Hearts. Like, I couldn't really even think of any at the top of my head. Like, if it's uh, not answered, it's just not answered yet. And it's been covered, yeah. It's been covered. Like, it, like they go in all, a lot of different directions, and there's, of I, course, been a lot of different characters. But it does get explained at, at some point, you know? I don't think Square Enix really helped themselves in that retrospect, just because... Um, remember, like before the HD collection and all that, all these right. games are released on different platforms, you know, Precisely, PS2, yes. uh, DS, uh, Game Boy Advance, you know, yeah. um, PSP. <laughs> so you had like, for me, uh, as I was growing up, I had to get all these different consoles, which yeah, exactly, is hard to do. Exactly, exactly. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's our- nice to have all these games in one package now so people can Very finally so. play through them. Um, hardcore Kingdom Hearts fans have definitely been in the trenches. <laughs> <of that. laughs> yeah, like, like it- I, I just want to say, like, for me, I played 358 Coded and Birth by Sleep by borrowing someone's game and device to okay. play them. See, uh, I like, skipped I, all of them because I didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, I had to literally... So, like, for 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 um, 358 Encoded, I, have, I had to borrow my friend's DS and their game. And then for Birth by Sleep, I had to borrow one friend's PSP and then another friend's copy of the game. Wow. You like, have great friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do have great friends. That's It, it was... To- it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, got, I got a PSP as a 
high school graduation gift just so I could play Birth by Sleep. I don't actually have an extremely large amount of games for my PSP. I have maybe four. The main re- I, I'm not ashamed to say that the main reason I got the PSP was to play Birth by Sleep because I really oh, wanted to play 100%. That's what true Kingdom Hearts fans do. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> said, I, you know, these, if, these, new, these new Kingdom Hearts newcomers got it real easy these days. And you know what? No no, no shade. Like, you, you, I'm, whatever it takes for you to get up to this date with the series, you know, go for it, man. They made it easier than ever. You don't have to deal with what we had to deal with. What would you do if Kingdom Hearts 4 was a Stadia exclusive? That's what I was going to say. Oh, I'm my God. <laughs> If the next smart <laughs> game is on Stadia only, I'm going to go, well, I'm going to get Stadia. If it was a Stadia exclusive, I would go out, wait for a rainy day, go out, go on my knees, scream into the sky, no more! I get Stadia going. And you would do that as you upgrade your internet. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I don't even want to get into a Stadia conversation. Um, so, anyway, we have Kingdom Hearts, right? And like you guys said, if you haven't played... All, if you're confused, it's because you haven't played all the games. So, I, I ended up having to skip Chain of Memories because I didn't have a Game Boy Advance at the time. So, I went directly from Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts 2. And in the beginning of that, I was like, who the fuck is this Roxas kid? What the fuck is going on? None of it made sense. So, can anyone quickly summarize chain of memories yeah no so chain of memories in my opinion probably (sighs) depending on the day i think chain of memories has the best story of any kingdom hearts game depending on the day uh because i think it yeah i think it's we see okay let me explain the story so basically like sword and goofy follow pluto to this castle called castle oblivion and they go inside, and as they uh, and they meet these hooded figures uh, that are part of this organization called Organization Thirteen, uh, that are uh, kind of the focus of the ne- like the next few games. Um, and as as um, Sora and Donald and Goofy progress through the castle and get to higher and higher floors, they're um, they're starting to their memories are being uh, altered by a uh, a little a young girl named Namine um that is being basically forced to do so by the organization um and basically Sora is being manipulated to think that like instead of um all of his like memories with Kyrie it's actually with Namine and um it's and then there and then there's uh and then like basically there's a uh a, called Riku Replica, who is basically like a like experimented, created replica of Riku, who basically has like who has been manipulated to have the same memories as Sora, which both are just not true. Wait, wait. So Replica Riku has the same memories as Sora, but those are the like, memories like, that like, Nominee uh, like invented about 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 uh the, their connection to Nominee. Okay. okay, okay. About their connection to Nominee. Uh so like so you know, throughout the game you kinda like fight him uh fight him over and over again. And uh, you know, you're basically just trying to get to the top of the tower or like top of the castle, and you know, once you defeat all of the organization members that are there, um, you run into Nominee and you you know, she tells you like, you know, I've been you know, I was forced to do these things, blah 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 blah. Like I didn't, you know, didn't really want to do these things. Um, and so she gives Sora an option 
to either uh, to either uh, sleep while Nominee reconstructs his memories to what they originally were before Castle Oblivion, or for him to keep his current memories as they are. And Sora cho- chooses to get his memories reconstructed. So for the next year, he's sleeping. Him, Donald, and Goofy are sleeping in in a pod. And just and so pod. I'm sure that is it. Him getting his memories reconstructed means that he's going to forget all the memories he had with Nominee. Uh, he's going to forget everything about uh, that happened in Castle of Living. Yes. So he doesn't know any of the or because uh, there are some organization members that survived Castle Oblivion and show up in, you know, in, um, in two, and he just doesn't remember them at all. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so basically, uh, that happens, and then Riku, uh, is in the castle as well, like normal Riku, uh, with Mickey, uh, cause as, uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 ends, you know, Rick, uh, Riku and Mickey are in the Realm of Darkness together. Uh, to close the door to Kingdom Hearts, and um, and they're trying, you know, and he's trying to progress through as well, and he's trying, uh, basically, he's trying to basically find his own path to redemption. And as he's going through the this this part, I'm a, I'm a little bit fuzzy on because it's just been a minute, but like he he as he progresses, he is. Uh, confronted by a uh, someone known as Ansem the Wise, who is you know who plays a more prom- uh, prominent role in Kingdom Hearts Two, and basically is like telling him that you know you can basically choose like the path the path to like quote unquote light like good or the road to like darkness you know that type of thing, mm-hmm. and at the and he's just like, I'm going to take the middle path, um, which is the road to Twilight, I believe. Oh, is that what that is? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, road, the road the road to, to Twilight. Cause, yeah, which is very much uh, representative of, like, I, I love that moment just because, I don't know, like, just I think I relate to it uh, very personally. Like, when I was younger, like, I had, um, I had like, uh, really bad tantrums and things like that. I was like, a, like, you know, things like, th- like really bad, like negative anger problems mm-hmm. and things like that. And, uh, and then like, I realized I just needed to kind of rebuild myself and just kind of like suppress, suppress that anger and just try and do what is like, you know, what I think is right. What I think is be- like, you know, the, the best thing that I can do, but still accept me for my flaws and that type of thing. And I think that that's what, Riku does in this mo- like in this moment he's like you know I was manipulated by darkness but I'm going to harness it for good yeah I think honestly Riku uh, you know from my limited knowledge I think that Riku does that basically throughout the entire um fra- uh, series you know he is uh, a character who if I'm not mistaken was supposed to be the keyblade wielder yeah he yeah yes. he was he was supposed to but then when he got like basic basically when he was like unworthy uh, it was given to Sora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, he he said like the king, the Keyblade, <clears throat> regardless of whether you're light or dark, you go to either light or darkness. Your heart just needs to be strong. And Riku, it's what, <clears throat> a misconception that I think a lot of people have is that he didn't lose the Keyblade because he was using the darkness. He lost the Keyblade because he said the heart was weak and worthless, and that's why the Keyblade is like, nah, fam, we're yeah. done. Yeah. And also, I just want to piggyback on something that um, Cameron said about Riku. 
that's what is something I really like about Riku's story in particular and Chain of Memories, uh, because there's not as much that happens in Riku's story in comparison to Sora's. That being yeah. said, Riku is his story is in a way more compelling, even though less happens, just because his story is all about finding redemption and acceptance in himself. Because you know he did a lot of bad stuff in Kingdom Hearts One for what he thought was the right reasons. So him having to come to terms with that in Chain of Memories, him trying to get rid of the darkness that he left infest his heart, and Ansem being there as like the physical manifestation of that. But then him ultimately realizing, you know what, darkness is a part of me, and I can accept that and still do the right thing. And I think that's a very important lesson, not just for his character, but I think for life in general. So before, and also, you know, I'm going to say this, but correct me if I'm wrong. Before all of this happens, there is a uh, Keyblade War, and then we have this Master of Masters who is in charge, and then he goes missing, and uh, he leaves this black box behind, and Mm -hmm. there are these people with, like, masks on... I yeah, know. y'all, you're you're going way too far ahead to talk about this right but now. But isn't that? Okay, well, I'm asking. I'm saying this because isn't that technically before Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, well, like in chronological yeah. order. So like all of this happens yes. before yeah. the first way game. Before even. And that's one of the things. One of the like obvious flaws of the of the stories, like fran- like for the franchise, is that like Nomura makes up these games like one by one. He doesn't have like a roadmap. So, you know, in Kingdom Hearts 1, they make they make the Keyblade feel like, oh, this is a unique thing. Only one person has this Keyblade. But then, like, when you get to Birth by Sleep and beyond, it's like... <laughs> Everybody oh, no, has a Keyblade. has a fucking <laughs> <Yes>. Keyblade. <laughs> Everybody fucking has oh, one, exactly. Um, you have a Keyblade. You have a Keyblade. <laughs> yes. You have a Keyblade. Exactly. Um, and I don't think it's particularly a bad thing. And, and I still think that, like, Sora... Like, Sora's Keyblade is still, like, supposed to be, like, the Keyblade, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I, I would I would say, though, that there was an interesting piece of lore that came from King Triton. Um, yes. He, is, he mentions that there were Keyblade builders in the past, and they yeah. caused destruction in the world. So he was really wary of Sora because of that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, like... I, yeah, like but but he has the kingdom like the kingdom key of light like and then Mickey right. has the one of darkness like so so he does have like the the keyblade of of in that sense. Mm-hmm. So For I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna try to do this in chronological order, not by games, um, but just okay. by story, just because I think it would be easier. I I I would say I would say it'd probably be better to do it. Because it's kind of like saying, like, oh, play the games in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Or, and, yeah, and, and that's, that. that's a no. That's a no-no. Okay. Then never mind. We'll continue on uh, in that yeah, order. No, no I, think this is, I think this is good what we're doing right now, for sure. Oh, okay. So doing it in and, chronological and, and I'll, and I'll order of the story? why later. I'll explain why later, for sure. Wait, uh, you mean doing it in chronological order of the story? In the release order of the games. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so then after uh, Kingdom Hearts... Um, what was I on? Oh, Chain of Memories. We got Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, does anybody want to summarize that one really quick? Yeah, I can. I'll do. I'll take you this one. So yeah, uh, it starts off with a prologue featuring a character who at the time was new. His name was Roxas. Seemingly a normal boy that lives in Twilight Town with his good friends. But weird things start happening into his town. And 
with to combat a lot of the weird things that are happening in his town, including guys in cloaks that he doesn't know who they are, and a man dressed in red. He has to start using the Keyblade. Now, Kingdom Hearts fans at the time were like, wait, what the? Why is this kid with the Keyblade? <laughs> why does he have the Keyblade? That's Sora's Keyblade. Why Why you have it? But, and then he would, but yeah, the story, the prologue kept going. And eventually he finds out that he has a connection to Sora, that he's a part of Sora. And he doesn't know what that means. And by that point of the story, a lot of people who are playing the game doesn't know what that means. But as he goes forward, he has to come to the acceptance that, you know, Sora needs him to, or he needs, Sora needs him to wake up. And so Roxas just kind of accepts his fate. And at that point, the story properly begins with Kingdom Hearts 2. Sora, Donald, and Goofy wake up from that year-long slumber that they had uh, where Nominee was getting their memories back. They, of course, remember nothing from Chain of Memories, as Cameron pointed out. So as far as they're concerned, they, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 ended, they followed Pluto, and then they just fell into pause, and they have no idea what's going on. But they have to come back to the world and find out that they are dealing with now two enemies, not only the Heartless, but Master Yen Sid from Fantasia fame and Mickey's Keyblade Master tells them that there's now another enemy attacking the world called the Nobodies, which are the remnants of what people were when they lose their hearts, strong heart people, and the strongest of the Nobodies form the Organization 13. Sora at that point has never heard of it, but of course we know from Chain of Memories that they were in the castle. Sora, Donald, Govey just simply do not remember them. At that point, five of the organization members have already been destroyed, but there's still the remainder of them that are just, you know, out there chilling with their mysterious goal. So they have to go around each of the worlds um, dealing with the machinations of both the Heartless and the Nobodies. Maleficent, who was leading the Disney villains in Kingdom Hearts 1, comes back through means that have only recently been explained. And she is also doing her own thing, trying to, you know, forge relationships with Disney villains to make the Heartless comes. But basically, it doesn't really amount to much, at least in that game. It, the main villains definitely are the nobodies. And as they go to each world, they come to realize that the leader of said organization, Xemnas, is uh, the other side of Ansem, who ruled the Heartless in Kingdom Hearts 1. So now they're fighting, I guess you could say, the second half of the main villain, essentially. Right. So, so I, I am going to say something that bothered the fuck out of me in Kingdom Hearts 3. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Maleficent was in KH1 and KH2, and she was, like, the big baddie. So, by and the time we... By the time we got to her in Kingdom Hearts 3, I felt like she was so wasted. Like, her character was just oh, yeah. so useless. 100%. Yeah, she was. And it yeah. was so annoying because I appreciated yeah. her as a villain and, like, everything that she was doing. And then, you know, when you come to 3, it's just like, oh, she's just walking around doing I don't even know what. Like, I, well, I have no idea what her purpose was. Yeah, one of my main criticisms of Kingdom Hearts 3 is that all the boss battles almost... Except for like Pirates of the Caribbean, we're all heartless bosses. Yeah, yeah I would have I, loved I to see there like, like no, there weren't more... enough Disney bosses. And even yeah, though like it was heavily focused on Disney and Kingdom Hearts three, as opposed to the other titles that had more Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. um, there were no like big bad Disney villains. It was just the old alterations of them in heartless form. I don't know, I yeah. It was kind of like a cop turn. out. Yeah. Oh yeah, the same I felt the same way when there were like I said, I started the series because of Final Fantasy and then when I read the news that there were gonna be no Final Fantasy characters, I was like, What the fuck? Like this this doesn't make any sense to me. But for Cage Two, I was super excited because I loved all the Disney worlds. Um the game to me was better than the first one, just overall. Uh, the story was better aside oh, yeah. from the beginning, me 100%. not understanding anything. The gameplay was better, the reaction commands were there, and oh, um so good. I had also just finished playing Final Fantasy X-2, 
And I know people hate that game, but I loved it personally. And then I got... Oh, yeah, um, they were there too. The gold Yes, wings. I finally got the fucking gold wings. I was like, where's Yuna? And because we saw Waka, I was like, where's Yuna and Riku? But I was like, of course, they can't put Riku because, you know, Riku and Riku, they have the same name. Uh, but it was really cool to see them in there and uh, see Oren and more Final Fantasy characters piled in with some really great classic um, Disney characters. Uh, Disney characters as well. So I think uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 was just uh, really awesome. So after Cage 2, there was... Wait, hang on, hang on. Oh, sorry. I, continue, I, got two, I got two quick notes on that. Mm-hmm. First off, just a little just a little fun fact for people who don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure Chris and Cameron already know this, but Riku, Final Fantasy X Riku, was originally supposed to be in Kingdom Hearts 1 playing the role that Yuffie would go on to. But they really? ultimately ended up... Yep, yep. And, yeah, and I Yuffie, read that. Yeah, Yuffie ended up taking the role, and which is why Yuffie has more of a, a Riku base design as opposed to maybe a Final Fantasy VII huh. design. Because, yeah. Just because, because of the names. Put, put her in. The names, exactly. That was literally it. Like, they had the full design, and then people were like, wait, is this going to get kind of confusing that there's Riku and Riku? So no more changed it to Yuffie afterwards. But yeah, even when Yuki did it, Yuki, Riku <laughs> did appear in uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, you'll notice that she was never actually, her name was never actually said. Like, yeah. she was there, but, like, yeah, the only name the I think that was actually said was Yuna, where Riku called her Yuni, which, like, she does in FF10 and 10-2. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's what happened with her. Oh, the huh. and the other note, and the other quick note that I was going to say was, um, that's definitely something that I've noticed with the Kingdom Hearts series as we go forward. Disney has always been in the series, but it's never been as pre- prevalent as it was in KH1. When KH1, the Disney villains were the main villains of the game. Like Maleficent yeah. straight up had a Disney villain council together. It was so was cool. It was so was cool. So fucking cool. Yes. They need to bring that back. Like, exactly. But but my but the only reason why I understand why they haven't, why they've kind of skewed more into like having original villains for Kingdom Hearts be the main villains, is because as the series gets more popular, and Nomura has said this on like interviews as well, he has a lot less freedom with the Disney villains than he does yeah. with the original villains. So to tell the story yeah. that he wants to tell, the Disney villains unfortunately have to get kind of like pushed to the back, which is, it is very unfortunate because that's why that was why we signed up for the Kingdom Hearts series. Like we're we're good with what we have now. I like these original villains, but it's just a shame that that you know a lot of our childhood have seen these villains and you fight them, but they really don't do much in the story. It's it is a bit of a shame, admittedly. I'm glad Maleficent at least. More has has managed to distinguish her, even if she doesn't always do the most. So at least she's there doing more than the average Disney villain. I would have a counterpoint though. I, I do think Sora's power level is too high. <laughs> as well, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, he can't fight Captain Hook. Because like, <laughs> like against Davy Jones, it was like uh, okay, he's kind of kicking his ass right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but yeah, back to like Kingdom Hearts 2, though, uh, I think it's important to note that like basically, you know, throughout the game, Sora is looking for Riku still uh, and and then finds out that like that Kyrie was taken by the organization. And then, you know, they end up, uh, you know, they all end up uh, together again. Riku has like, oh, yeah, you find out that like Riku, which they it's kind of uh, shown in 358. <laughs> Uh, he basically uh, has to has like this like it's been a minute since I played three fifty eight uh, three fifty eight but like basically he is now like resembling of Ansem uh, and then he uh, but then basically he got turned back to to normal Riku and uh, you know Riku and Sora which is so cool team up to to finish off Zemnis, yeah. who is the leader of the organization. Fights. And you get to play as Riku for a short time there too, which is so cool. 
Um, and then, you know, they end up uh, on the island together. And man, that fucking, I will still, still to this day, coolest moment in a video game is when Sora and Riku block all those fucking lasers. It's yes! So yes! Cool. yes! Coolest, coolest yes! moment in any video yes. game, I'm telling you. Oh. Like, so cool. My biggest disappointment, fun. actually, was I thought that Kyrie was gonna uh, be playable in Kingdom Hearts 2 as well, because, you know, she was up there um, with them, and I was like, oh shit, is, are we gonna get some Kyrie too? And I was like, no, no, uh, fuck, no. But here's the thing, mate. Um, in Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, you can play as Kyrie and Sora. I'd say that's a highlight as well. I'm still that's mad. A- because yeah. of the fact that I was super expecting Kyrie and Axel to do some cool shit in Kingdom Hearts three, and they didn't. But that's just me. But yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But even the play and <laughs> playing as Kyrie we'll talk was kind of. We'll yeah, about yeah, that yeah, later. yeah. But no, Kingdom Hearts two is a fucking masterpiece. Yes. Uh, it's one of the best JRPGs ever made. Uh, agree. Like even if you don't like it, like I think people can still recognize that it is one of the best JRPGs ever made. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. It it holds up incredibly well, like fine wine to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, it it is. I think it is a must play game. Like it is, uh, is my favorite game of all time. So straight up. So um, yeah. Yeah, I played it. Um, I decided to play through all of Kingdom Hearts again before Kingdom Hearts three came out. Uh, spoiler alert: I did not. But um, <laughs> I started Cage two again, and I completely agree that game still really does hold up well. I know a lot of people didn't like. Um, Atlantica, the musical for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, that's like, yeah, it's one of those things where I would rather have had that than what we had in Kingdom Hearts One. So, (laughs) see, I I also didn't mind Kingdom Hearts One either. So, like, I I I really didn't care for was the Chain of Memories one because it was just another world. (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. I think it. I think it. Like, it's fine. It could have like not been in the game, but like. I think that's really my own, like, that's the only real gripe that I would have with Kingdom Hearts 2. But here's the thing, it, it's completely optional, you know? It like, is. It's, it's, well, it's it, a way for players of Kingdom Hearts 2 to have something a little different. I loved know? it. I loved I would it. Say, I wouldn't say it's completely optional, because there are specific magic up. Right, get. yeah, you're right about that, sorry. Yeah, oh. it's, been a, it's been a minute, it's been a minute. So after Cage 2, we go into Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, right? Yes, that's the next Which is, uh, oh, like, yeah, I and... didn't understand the title to that uh, until I, like, got through the game. And I was like, yes. oh, okay. I, <laughs> like... And that's my favorite part about the title. It's more, it's, it's the title that everybody loves to goof on, but and deservedly so, maybe. But, like, once you play the game and understand why it's called that, it's so cool. I do want to say really quick, because I think it's really important. Uh, with Kingdom Hearts 2 was the secret ending, the secret movie at the end, because it was, you know, it was just so different from anything we saw in Kingdom Hearts before. Yeah, it was very dark. And it was just, no one knew what the fuck was going on. Like, Mm -hmm. we were like, why does this guy look like Roxas? Who is this chick? Who is this dude? Who <laughs> yeah. is this bald guy? Why is this old man dressed like Ansem? Why is that guy dressed like Riku? I know, like, yeah, like Mickey's there. What the fuck is going on? Like, everyone, there was I just remember, so many theories. It was insane. I and like vividly in 2006 when that secret ending came out of all these different like knights and and the old man and the, and the Riku to look alike. In, in 2006, the YouTube videos were filled with titles saying <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Three Secret Trailer. Like, what? No. 
and now people are making the we'll, we'll get I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but people are looking at the Remind trailer and saying Kingdom Hearts Four teaser trailer, and I'm like, have people not learned? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think that was like at during that time, that was like one of the coolest moments in like gaming. It was, like it was just it was just fans of the franchise like we're just I, I feel like people that didn't even know anything about kingdom hearts knew how crazy that like secret ending was yeah yeah it's definitely yeah, sure. a defining moment in, in gaming I, i'll say this it did the post credit scene before the mcu was even formed exactly that's a really funny uh thing though because like the secret ending for kingdom hearts like Namora just did that for shits and giggles. Like, right? Th- he did not ex- like. He did not know that they were going to get a sequel. He did not know like what really any of that meant when he made <laughs> it. It was just like, oh, let's do this for fun, you know. And then when it, when it actually like got a sequel, he's like, oh shit, now I got to actually figure out what this means. And they did that really well with three, five, eight over two yeah. days. Yeah, um, yeah. They did. Yeah, like that's that that fight in the secret ending in Kingdom Hearts One was really cool, and then they had this high stakes kind of battle between Roxas and uh, Riku, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and th- that was that was really dramatic, really cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, no three, yeah, so three fifty eight. Um, fun fact is the only Kingdom Hearts game that was written by Nomura himself. Oh, um, so this is like you know he didn't just like do the story or whatever he actually wrote the script apparently um which i think people find like this game to be like probably the most emotional of the series mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um for me first definitely yeah and granted i'm really fuzzy on 358 like literally the last time i played it was what, the first time i played it <laughs> i haven't replayed it in a minute uh so um i don't know if there's someone else that's more that remembers the story better that wants to explain it I got this one. I can do a little bit of it. Okay, go for it, Joe. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) this is... (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Uh, So, as far as I'm aware, uh, 358 over 2 is uh, now focusing on Roxas, where we follow the story of Roxas, where he meets um, Axel, and he is a part of the organization, and he also meets... um, You know what? Never mind. I don't want to do this. Someone else. (laughs) (laughs) I got this. I got got this. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, basically... We talked about how it's exactly a year after uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2 are split by exactly a year, right? So basically, (laughs) Kingdom Hearts 358 Days Over 2 basically focuses on the year between 1 and 2, um, with the last seven days of the year being the prologue of Kingdom Hearts 2, which I thought was kind of like a cool thing. But yeah, we learned in Kingdom Hearts 2 that Roxas was in fact Sora's nobody, like his other half. But so Roxas himself, because of circumstances, really doesn't remember anything on his past the same way the other nobodies do. So he wakes up and is basically a zombie with like almost like no emotions. But Axel, one of the members of the organization who by this point Kingdom Hearts fans are very familiar with, takes Roxas under his wing and kind of shows him the ropes about not just what you have to do to be a member of the organization, but also about life in general without even realizing it. And during this point, Roxas is also introduced to the mysterious 14th member of the organization who no one knew about until this game, named Shion. Has, uh, has her uh, hood up for most of the beginning of the game, 
Eventually, though, takes it off and reveals that she looks a lot like Kyrie, but with also, like darker hair. Just, yeah. just so I'm sure, this game also happens like concurrently with Chain of Memories, right? Yeah, correct. The yeah. beginning does because okay. Chain of Memories is like two weeks after the events of Kingdom Hearts One, so the beginning few weeks does happen concurrently with Chain of Memories, but then eventually. Chain of Memories ends, and then the rest of the timeline just continues to two, basically. So when yeah. Sora is turned into a Heartless, that's when his nobody is created, which is yeah, Roxas. Right. And yeah, then right. Roxas is um, inducted into the organization. Um, and then um, this continues while Sora is going through the Castle Oblivion. Yep. That is correct. And also, Roxas and Xion are very important to the organization at this point, mm-hmm. because they're Keyblade wielders, and yep. with the Keyblades, they can unlock hearts and complete uh, Kingdom Hearts. And they're the only so, Keyblade yeah. wielders. And they're the only Keyblade yep. wielders. Which, teams, yeah. which is why the organization was pushing Sora so much to defeating Heartless in Kingdom Hearts 2, because yep. they didn't have Roxas or Xion anymore. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and this and that, game has a very mm-hmm. unique structure to it where it's mission-based. Yep. So yeah, you're going on missions to complete the organization's tasks. There's uh, there's actual bosses within the DS game, which was really cool at the time. Um, they weren't as designed as well as the PS2 counterparts, in my opinion. Some some were pretty hated. Uh, but overall, like I, I, I thought it was a, a great title um, with a, an emotionally gripping storyline, and um, you finally learn how why Roxas betrayed the organization. They teased that throughout like, the entirety of Kingdom Hearts Two, where it's like Roxas come back to us and stuff like that. You know, like Demix yep. said in uh, the the Underworld, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you finally get some answers, and that that's this is an example of how Kingdom Hearts fills those holes that were left in the mainline games. You know, so I feel like um, to really understand and appreciate Kingdom Hearts, you have to play every game. There's no spin-off title; they're all part yeah, of the main story. Yeah, it, and the closest to a spin-off title, like a title that you like, don't need to play, is Coded. And and I would just say that like with coded at the very least play that game once just to experience it because there are some cool things from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, it's a very that the cool. game does, but like outside of that, it's like by far the worst entry in the series. I would say that game is very repetitive because you go into the same worlds again from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, exactly. Um, that we've already gone through in Chain of Memories, and you do that three times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it exactly. Recoded so. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it is the weakest one, but like in terms of like how it used the DS, it's it's a powerhouse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then like so, so yeah, so basically like uh, Shion like goes crazy, and and Roxas has to basically put her down, uh, for lack of a better term. Oh my god! <laughs> and you know, uh, she's she's going away and she like apologizes to roxas and then she's just like who else am i gonna have ice cream with and then your soul dies a little oh, bit yeah and the worst part is once shion's gone no one remembers her because yes, and, because yeah, she is ahead. a creation of sora's memories and the reason why she looks like Kyrie so much is because it was taken from sora's most important memories which is of Kyrie. yep which is really sweet which Not is absolutely sweet and it, yeah. it makes and the game does a great job of like peppering that in because both Roxas and Xion can use the Keyblade. And to be clear, the exact same Keyblade that Sora uses 
And that's because they're both different versions of Sora. Roxas is a nobody of Sora, and Shion is a replica of Sora created from his most powerful memories, which is why in the gameplay sense, you'll notice that Shion holds her Keyblade just like Sora, and yeah. they're both getting yep. Sora's memories. But you, uh, but the game is very clever about it because she gets all of the Kyrie memories, so you assume, oh wait, is she like a second nobody of Kyrie? Like, what's going on here? And then you understand why that is, because it's Kyrie's memories, of Sora's memories of Kyrie specifically. Oh yeah. I, also, I, also something. Uh, just real quick thing that I forgot that we didn't cover when we're talking about Kingdom Hearts two. Nomine is Kyrie's nobody. Correct. Yeah. Technically, technically, and, and I don't want to get super far into this. We can talk about it off stream if you want. Technically, Nomine is Sora's nobody, but I'm not going to. No. Get I have I'm, a question. I'm, that's, okay. I'm not going to touch that either because I, that's a, but I do have a question. So yeah. how, what is the difference between someone gaining a heartless and someone gaining a nobody? Cause we've used both terms. So, um, why is it that Sora gets a heartless or I'm sorry, a nobody? Uh, am I saying that wrong? So, yeah. So in Kingdom, Hearts, in Kingdom Hearts one, he uses, um, the, uh, I forgot what the name of the actual key is called, uh, key, uh, key of people's hearts, I think. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think uh something like that. And he basically uses it to uh he uses it to save Kyrie if I remember correctly, right? He he basically uh uh like yeah, stabs he, himself with it to, to, uh, in the to, heart so he yeah. can release all the hearts of the yeah, so he can release all the hearts of the princesses and Kyrie. Um and then he becomes a heartless because, you know, He's tech. He's kind of like, he's not dead, but like you know, he uh, he loses his heart, creates a heartless. Another way to create a heartless is basically to just be corrupted with darkness. Mm-hmm. That's another way to become heartless. Um, and then whenever a heartless is made, period, a nobody is created. Okay, so there's like a one-one. So as soon as a yeah, heartless exactly. is created, a nobody is created. So yeah. nominee is. Kyrie's nobody from when her heart was taken in Kingdom Hearts One. Tech, uh, yes, but technically no, because there's this. It, it's a really big like Kingdom Hearts lore thing with um, how each nobody has to have like a body host of sorts, and technically at that time Kyrie wasn't the host of not like uh, had had a, there wasn't a host for. For Kyrie to be nominees, you know, uh, for for Kyrie for nominated to be Kyrie's nobody. So technically, Sora, like nominate came from Sora, but is Kyrie's not uh, is uh, Kyrie's nobody? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's it, yeah. It's something that like if you really want to look into it, like YouTube it or something. But it's a legit thing. Like there's an actual like ruling to like the heart and having a host body. And things like that. So there is um, something I want to bring up as well, since he's explaining this. The Kingdom, both Kingdom Hearts One as well as Kingdom Hearts Two, have these collectibles called the Ansem Reports as well. And basically, you know, the story of Kingdom Hearts will tell you so much, right? But there's also some of the stuff, this lore stuff, that only gets covered in these Ansem Reports. Now, the Ansem Reports in both One and Two are most of them you'll get through normal gameplay. You don't have to read them, of course. They'll be in your journal for you to read at any point. But if you do read them, you do get some more lore. And it's interesting that there is some Ansem reports that are tied to, like, secret bosses 
Therefore, if you want to get like the full background lore, there are some secret bosses you have to defeat. Like in Final Mix, the Kingdom Hearts 1 Final Mix, you can only get the 13th secret report by defeating the secret boss. And it just straight up name drops nobodies, which would be the main villains of Kingdom Hearts 2. So you get a nice, a nice little hint on the future if you would went out of your way to defeat the secret boss. Okay, so yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> for 358 over 2. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Shion is created, right? Yeah. yeah. And she becomes, like you guys said, she becomes friends with Axel and Roxas. Yeah, yep. they all become really good friends, and it really helps them establish their personalities. It's good for Roxas <laughs> because, well, Roxas and Shion, to be clear, because they both really don't have experiences to draw from because they don't have that much connection to the original host because of the circumstances. Whereas Axel, um, it's explained throughout the part of the story that he was actually, before becoming an organization member, best friends with Saix. One of the mm-hmm. organization members who at this point was like, we just thought it was just like a heartless bastard for 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 lack of a better term. But then we realized that they were best friends at one point, but their goals changed at some point and they kind of became estranged, which is why Axel naturally became more drawn to Roxas and Shion. It kind of reminded him of his own youthful days and his old ideals. And, you know, it just kind of drew a wedge in the friendship, the original friendship between Sykes and Axel, and Axel ended up becoming more of a friend with those two. And they go into that in the Kingdom Hearts 3 secret reports, if I remember correctly. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yep. So, um, then, just so, to wrap up 358 over 2, Shion it finds out that she's a replica. And yeah. then she also finds out that she's been taking Sora's memories or absorbing his memories, which is preventing him from being restored by Nominee, yes. correct? Yes. Um, so when she finds that out, that's when she decides to let herself die so that Sora can come back whole. Yes. Yes. And that's 358 over 2. Pretty much. And right? then, at, yeah, but and then also important to note, uh, yeah. So the final boss is Roxas and uh, Riku. Uh, Roxas fighting Riku, and then technically, even though you you know you beat the boss fight, you lose to Riku. And then Ansem the Wise put like you know uh, takes Roxas and puts him in the Twilight Town simulator uh, simulation. Where the prologue of Kingdom Hearts Two comes in, and then for yeah. those who had played Kingdom Hearts Two beforehand, like this, the game of Three Fifties literally ends with Roxas walking, running through town, saying, "Maybe today yeah. we'll finally hit the beach," which leads directly to the beginning of Two. And as a kid, I, when I first played that, my heart was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like I got emotional during that during that ending. Yeah. Roxas said, "We're today. We're finally gonna hit the beach," and I'm like, "Cause I knew exactly what was gonna happen next." It was like so. Oh. In like, so for someone understanding the story, technically, as three fifty eight over two is concurrent with Chain of Memories, um, that's why it goes into um, Roxas going into Kingdom Hearts two. Exactly. Hearts two. Exactly. Okay. And then is Birth by Sleep. Who oh boy? Yes. Birth by one. yeah. Birth by Sleep. Birth by Sleep is Kingdom Hearts three. Like, let's be let's be honest here. Kingdom, uh, I, I would actually define it as Kingdom Hearts zero. I honestly feel like yeah, yeah. Birth by Sleep should have been, like I really do feel like it should have been called Kingdom Hearts zero because its plot is just as important. Like, I, I mean, obviously all of them have yeah. some importance. But Birth by Sleep was like a big one. It's what Kingdom Hearts two teased into. So I really felt like I I, mean, I like the subtitle Birth by Sleep. It's this it's the name of that secret movie that we talked about a few minutes ago. But Zero, I think, would have really enforced to people that are like, eh, I don't want to play all these sites out of it. This one was important. Because yeah. if you only play one and two, you'll have no idea who Zayn is. Yeah, and Broke by Sleep, basically, because like, once you're done with uh, Kingdom Hearts 2, there's like just so many questions that you have, and Broke by Sleep answers all of them. Like, yes. just yep. all of them. 
And it's just so satisfying, which is why I think that Birth by Sleep, like, again, depending on the day, is the best story in the series just because of how it's able to, uh, like, give you all the answers that you were looking for in ways that make sense and just make the universe that much bigger and better. And, uh, yeah, it, it fucking rules. Um, Birth uh, by so Sleep yes. is the one where, like, Aqua, Ventus, and um, Terra. Terra end up seeing... I think... Is that the one where Aqua... I know I'm jumping forward a little bit, but that's the one where Aqua meets Kyrie for the first time? Yes. Yes, yes it is. Yes. All right. Which is actually a very important scene. Because, like, like Cameron just said, it explains stuff from 1 and 2. So her meeting Kyrie is significant to explaining something that was wondered about in 1 and 2. Because yeah. in King Mats 2, people were like, Kyrie's got a keyblade? What the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, why she has a keyblade. Yeah, it explains how everyone has a key, can get a keyblade. Yeah, all three of, all three it, of them, it, quite frankly. It's so good. Right, so, right exactly. So, this one, this one, I know that, like, we're, uh, you know, uh, Jarrell, you're, try, you're trying to get us to get through these games relatively quickly, but this one, like, there's a lot to unpack. So, um, I, so basically what, um, so Birth by Sleep, uh, has the three characters, Terra, Aqua, and Ventus. They all have their own stories. Oh, they all quick. go to, sorry, go before ahead. you continue, just wanted to clarify that Birth by Sleep chronologically takes place 10 years before Kingdom Hearts yeah. one as well. Yes. Continue. Yeah. So, um, it stars Terra, Aqua, and Ventus. They're, you know, all Keyblade wielders in training, um, the game starts at, uh, the game starts, Terra and Aqua are taking their, uh, Mark of Mastery exam, uh, and their master, Master Ericus, voiced by Mark Hamill, and, uh, uh and, Ma- and Master Xehanort, uh, voiced by Leonard, uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, may he rest in peace, and, <laughs> uh, they are, like, the ones judging it, uh, judging them, and basically, Master Ericus, uh, ends up, uh, Promoting um, Aqua to Master, but not Terra, because Terra wa- uh, had issues concealing the darkness inside of him during the test. Um, and at this point, basically... Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, yeah. Of course. So, as far as my understanding is, everybody has both light and darkness, right? Or no? Am I wrong? Fundamentally, uh, everyone yeah. should. Yeah. Yeah. There are some outliers. Yes, there are definitely outliers, but fundamentally, the average person would have both light and darkness within them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when Terra fails because he can't control the darkness, it doesn't make him like necessarily evil, right? No. Of course, no, no. Not at all. But uh, the reason why he's considered not a Keyblade Master is because of Ericus's kind of like clouded kind of like mindset. Um, yes. Who Light can be a Keyblade wielder because he thinks all darkness is evil? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Now and continue. Then, <laughs> yeah, and then Xehanort, uh begins like his plan to uh, manipulate Terra into going to different worlds and uh, trying to like uh, you know get stronger and uh, and uh, again just kind of get manipulated to start begin like uh the heart like you know the hearts of the princesses uh with the help of with the help of maleficent who xehanort also manipulates uh because um 
you know, she, he basically tells Malefic- Maleficent about the Princesses of Heart and blah, 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 blah. Uh, go ahead. So this Master Xehanort is the same Xehanort that we see later on? Yes. And so that means that 10 years before Kingdom Hearts 1, he was still doing this whole, I'm going to steal the hearts of the princesses. But he was using Terra instead. He was... So he told Maleficent about about it. Okay. And then Maleficent started, uh, manipulated Terra into taking Aurora's heart in Sleeping Beauty. Um, because this game uh, features the older Disney titles. Like yeah. Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, etc. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And basically, he's just trying to learn how to... Like, at first he's trying to, like, uh, conceal the darkness within in him and, uh, and like, be, you know, uh, prove that he's, like, worthy to become a master and things like that. And then um, by the time... Uh, he, you know, by the time they get to the Keyblade Graveyard, he kind of, like, goes all out and, like, accepts his, like, darkness, or he just gets overpowered by it, in a sense. Um, and he also uh, ends up on uh, Destiny Island at some point, um, and he meets Sora and Riku. And he looks at, uh, he, you know, he, he like, kind of just looks at them both and just kind of uh, uh, examines them of sorts. And decides to uh, inherit the Keyblade to Riku, um, because they just like, oh, they only we uh, there only needs to be one more Keyblade wielder, not two. So he gives it to Riku, um, which makes uh, a whole lot of sense in the Kingdom Hearts like lore of Sora, Kyrie, and Riku versus like uh, Terraven and Aqua, because their names represent elements. And Terra and Riku are like basically Earth, and then Sora and Ventus are like wind slash air, and then Kyrie and Aqua are, are water. Um, so that's like that's supposed to be like a one for one comparison between the two trios. So why so yeah. exactly does he give him the the Keyblade? Why does Terra give Riku the Keyblade? Mm-hmm. Because he saw something in Riku that he saw in himself. He's yeah. uh, like they're, they're very Riku and Terra have a lot of similarities. Yeah. And Terra really saw that kind of like right away that Riku was like the oldest of the three of the three friends. He's the at the time, I guess it was just him and Sora. But yeah, of the friends, he was the older one that just wanted to get stronger to protect his friends. And that's exactly how Terra views himself compared to Aqua and Ven. Like he le- he cares for his friends and wants to get stronger so that he can protect them. So he saw that in his, he saw that in Riku and said a kindred spirit, you might say. And so he trusted him with the Keyblade ability so that one day he would be able to fulfill that pledge to his friends that, you know, the same way that he carries to his friends. So then anybody can just, like, any Keyblade wielder can walk up and be like, you no, not, look like you deserve to be a Keyblade wielder and no, give him a not Keyblade? Any Keyblade? not any Keyblade wielder. They have to have the, they have to have shown the mark of mastery. Ericus did not make Terra a Keyblade master, but he had the potential to become one. Like Chris said earlier, Terra could have passed it, but... Because of his views on how Keyblade wielders should be, um, he didn't pass them, even though he had the power within him to pass it on. You have to be a Keyblade Master or have the powers of one. So any Keyblade to... Master can give anyone else the ability to wield a Keyblade? Correct. Yep. Oh. yep. Well, 
Well, they have to have the heart to actually wield the this, Keyblade. Yeah, like, that's, that's they have true. to have that's true. the that's force true. within them to, to wield it. That's you know, true. Just like, like Star Wars, I guess. But like, as long as they meet that qualification, then yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, there is there is an official ceremony behind it too. Like what Tara says to Riku when he gives him the Keyblade is what you're supposed is I guess supposed to be the official bequeathing ceremony. Though some though it's not necessary to say all that. It's just more of like a traditional thing because in a other scene where Aqua gives the Keyblade power to Kyrie, she does it inadvertently. All Kyrie does is touch Aqua's Keyblade and she gains the power because her heart is so strong. Yeah, and. Yeah, so so yeah, it was just like with with Kyrie and Aqua, it was just an accident, like at yes. that. Um, uh, and then yeah, so so Terra basically just goes all like evil or not evil, but like darkness powers and stuff like that, fighting, and then he ends up fighting um, uh, Xehanort and Vanitas at the same time. Vanitas we'll get into later in Ven's storyline, uh, and basically Xehanort takes uh takes over uh Terra's body and becomes Terranort and uh Terra is stuck in his armor uh, and he's known as the lingering will yep. and uh that is how uh his story ends he just wait he basically uh waits at the Keyblade graveyard kind of in uh solace and shame of what of what's happened um and and uh, yeah, that's kind of how it ends. Basically, it's kind of like Revenge of the Sith, except for like, you know, he like he realizes his mistakes at the end, uh, but it's like kind of too late. Um, yeah, that's and a then very there... good comparison because I often compare Terra to Anakin Skywalker. They yeah, have I very do. similar <laughs> stories. Their endings are slightly different, yeah, but they have very similar stories. Their arc that is, yeah. I... It's also funny to see the comparisons between uh, Ericus and Luke Skywalker. Like, <laughs> yeah, because he, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he loses yeah. like, oh sight of like movies. his part of one. You know, this is it's funny. It's really funny. But, Ericus's, yeah. Ericus's actions in Birth by Sleep are very similar to the action that Luke takes in the Last yeah. Jedi. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually like, also you something must be destroyed. Something really important. I don't know how I forgot to mention this, but like Terra. Uh, strikes down Ericus after Ericus uh, threatens to kill Ventus. Um, well, kind of. Terra beats Ericus, but Xehanort is the one that gives him the killing blow. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but yeah. So that so Ericus uh, is gone. Um, and then yeah. So then we have uh, Ventus, who basically shows up at the land of departure, uh, where Terra and Aqua have already been training, and he's kind of like a shell. Uh, you ba- uh, you basically like learn that he is basically half of one person, Vanitas being the other half. So Ventus is kind of like the light side, and and Vanitas is the uh, the dark side. And uh, he looks just like Sora, or at least Roxas. Looks, looks just like Roxas. Uh, yep. Um, which is why, which is why Roxas looks like Ventus more, uh, more so. Uh, that's why Roxas looks like Ventus because. Uh, because of things later. Um, and so, yeah, there's Vanitas who wears a helmet, but he ha- has a similar fighting stance to Riku. And uh, basically he is trying to, again, he's just kind of like uh, manipulating Ventus uh, <laughs> throughout the story, telling him that we're going to for, uh, forge the, the Keyblade or the Kyblade, depending on how you, how you uh, read it. And, uh, and, you know, uh, once you get to the battle 
of, uh, you know, at the, at the Keyblade graveyard, they end up, uh, fighting and they end up basically fighting an inner, an inner, uh, in their inner souls of sorts. Yeah. In their hearts. In their hearts. Yeah. In their hearts. And you, and, 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 uh, you know, uh, Ventus ends up partially unmasking Vanitas and he ends up looking like Sora. And, uh, and then they end up fighting and, and Vanitas's heart is basically so weak that he has to, uh, rest and he ends up being accepted by Sora to rest inside his heart, which is why Roxas looks like Ventus. And it's also why Sora can wield the Keyblade. Yep, because he has the heart of a Keyblade wielder within him. That is confusing. Uh, real quick, Namor <laughs> is just filling up those holes. He's like, and it yeah, is there another, we go. And that is also a reason why Sora can dual-wield Keyblades. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So, real, 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 real quick, uh, just a little quick Lord thing, because uh, Cameron did mention that uh, Vanitas does have a very similar style to Riku. I think, as far as the lore is concerned, I think that's going to be the general fighting style of Keyblade wielders that use um, darkness. Because Riku, of course, was the first one seeing it with his art, with his, I guess, left arm stretched forward, and then the Keyblade held to his right. Vanitas does it too. And uh, Xehanort, in his youth, apparently also adapted that style with the arm going forward because. Uh, I mean, we see it in other Kingdom Hearts games as well with him holding the Keyblade, like, f- upwards. But Dark World, yeah. he explicitly uses the Riku style with his arm going forward. So it just seems to yeah, be a thing that Dark Keyblade does this. Yeah, it seems like it's like a, a fencing... Uh, Aggressive con- style, which, yeah. I guess, which I guess is fitting for Dark users. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, and then Aqua's... So here's the thing, like, Aqua's story, like, starts out at being, like, the least important to, like, the most important. Yes, because uh, she's the best you know, character. She, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think Aqua's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but, so Aqua's story, and personally, I recommend playing through these stories in this order. Like they give you the order: Terra, Ven, and Aqua. I think this yes. is the order to play the to play the game. Yeah. Um. So basically, uh, Aqua is you know she becomes the Keyblade Master. Ericus asks you to go after. Terra and Ventus to bring them home because they because basically Ventus ended up just following Terra because he's like you know a little dumb kid he doesn't know what he's doing and uh and you know so she ends up following them uh yada 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 finds Kyrie and Hollow Bastion uh I think I think she runs into Mickey at some point right wait 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 wait. why does she find Kyrie at Hollow Bastion Ah, good, great question. For, well, first of all, we should clarify. It's actually, at the time, it's called Radiant Garden because it doesn't fall into darkness. Yeah. But why Kyrie is there is because Radiant Garden is actually where Kyrie was originally born. This is something that we kind of, I guess, glossed over. But yeah, she did originally grow up in Radiant Garden. But uh, Xehanort, or Ansem's apprentice, which took on the name of Xehanort, um, actually sent Kyrie to another world as part of his experiments on hearts. Yes. Which is how she ended up in Destiny Islands. Yeah, and the, well, yeah, so, yeah. So, so Aqua like basically placed a spell on her uh, that if she's ever in trouble, she'll be sent uh, somewhere safe. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So then, Aqua, uh, you know, they're all kind of going to the same worlds, um, and they do have like these conversations, but like nothing to really uh, make note of. 
And then uh, when they get uh, when they get to the Keyblade graveyard, uh, you know, Aqua ends up uh, fighting uh, Vanitas and uh, Bragg, who is uh, Zigbar's somebody, uh, before he uh, you know turns into a nobody. And also, like uh, Bragg has like kind of like a reoccurring role throughout each story. Um, you find out that like uh, Terra is the one that like blinds him in one eye, and and uh, and you find out that Bragg is like working for Xehanort, and then you also see like <laughs> other uh, somebodies of the organization, like uh, Lexius is somebody, Zaldin somebody. Um, you run into uh, Lee. Uh, who is Axel? Somebody when they're when they're much younger. I, uh, Isa, which is Syx, is somebody. You know, they're they're friends. Like Ven meets uh, Ven meets them when uh, he visits uh, visits Radiant Garden. You know, it's so you, cool that Ventus basically meets almost all of the original six. Yeah, excluding uh, Bragg and Zaynard, I suppose. Well, Zaynard too, but you know. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. So you end up fighting Bragg, and then. Uh, and then once the uh, breaks the final boss for Aqua Story, and then depending on what you uh, have to do, I think you have to beat the game on critical, or you have to complete Jiminy uh, Jiminy's uh, not Jiminy's journal, but like the journal and everything like that, similar to previous Kingdom Hearts games, to unlock the uh, final episode, which is where you end up at Radiant Garden to fight Terranort. Oh, wait, hang on. Just to clarify, the final yeah. episode doesn't require any kind of things. You just got to finish the regular three stories. The secret, okay. epi- the secret episode, which is in right. the final mix version, yeah. requires a little more legwork if you want to okay. get that. And leads yeah. into f- a fragmentary passage. On directly the, uh, into it, even. Yeah. yeah, directly into it, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, so uh, final episode, you fight Terra North at Radiant Garden, and once that's done, you end up in the uh, Realm of Darkness, which is the secret episode. Um, and that's where you, again, you roam around the realm of darkness and then you end up fighting, uh, this boss at the end. And then that is kind of like the end of the game where Aqua is kind of trapped in the, uh, in the realm of darkness for the time being, which leads into the point two fragmentary passage, uh, that comes out, you know, that sets up uh, kingdom hearts three. Uh, and yes. before we move on, I guess I also think that Melody of Memory is going to focus on Kyrie's time in Radiant Garden and oh. why she was transported to Destiny Islands. So there's going to be that kind of context we're expecting from um, the game. They did show her as a little kid. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. In, 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 the, in that arc. Yeah. Okay. So um, this podcast is going to be um, split into two parts. <laughs> Um, so this is going to be the end of the first part thank you guys uh, for coming on to talk about it obviously come back for the next episode so we can talk more about what happens in uh, Dream Drop Distance and Birth by Sleep and all the stuff that happens before that I kind of hinted at so thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you all later bye everybody see you guys soon